This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 10, Episode 2 A Breath of Air. And let's start it off with a few announcements. The first one is just a quick reminder that this series, Series 10 of Essential NPCs, is being released bi-weekly. We had to do that in order to maintain a recording schedule that worked for all of the cast members. So, Episode 3 of Series 10 will be released on June 4th. But that doesn't mean that there is less content out there for you guys. Uh, we have started streaming on release days. We're pl- we've been playing Manifest, answering questions. So on release days, which includes today, we will be on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Manifest, the RPG, uh, every 7.30 on Tuesdays. We are streaming live. You can come ask us questions about essential NPCs or Manifest or really kind of anything, even questions you might want to ask for words with a GM. We are happy to answer them and also catch some live play with some of your favorite cast members. And if you're unable to catch the bi-weekly Tuesday evening Twitch streams, you can catch the replays either on our Twitch channel for a short period of time or on our YouTube channel, uh, which is Manifest the RPG. Uh, as you can tell, Waypoint Game Designs and Manifest the RPG are in full swing, keeping the hype going around the game we played during Series 9. And to that end, our final announcement today is that the Gen Con events went live this week. And if you were to search Manifest the RPG amongst those events, you will find out that we are going to be running events at Gen Con. There are still seats available, but they are going fast. Some of the events are already sold out. If you are at all interested in playing Manifest the RPG, run by some members of the cast of Essential NPCs, and you're going to be heading towards Gen Con anyways, you should definitely go to the Gen Con event registration and sign up to play with us. That's it for announcements. So we are going to go ahead and move on into Words with the GM. Hi. Hello, GM. Hi. This Words with the GM is about Series 10, Episode 1, Aftermath. And after 10 series of Essential NPCs, nearly 200 episodes, we wanted to take a different approach to Words with the GM than our standard, structured, almost monologue from the GM. For Series 10, Blades in the Dark, we want to have a little bit of a more casual discussion between player and GM. Because, especially in uh, the system like Blades in the Dark, there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, imp- player empowerment. Uh, The players have a lot of control over what happens. Yeah, it's certainly a more collaborative experience. Um, The sort of just wide open free play uh, is one of the things that is the most interesting. A lot of times I'm not calling for checks and if uh if i am it's not a specific check it's like i think there should be a roll here because there's an interesting fail case uh and then i go what would you like to roll to solve this problem yeah it's one of those systems where uh the player can kind of put themselves in a position to roll the skills that they think are most interesting whether it be their best ones or their worst ones or just what they think fits the situation a lot more the skill you get to roll is a lot more about player intention than than anything else which makes for an interesting gming experience uh usually as a gm i'm when i'm improvising i'm sort of calculating whatever everything that's happening and doing kind of like beautiful mind math to make sure (laughs) that we're that we're on track and everything isn't too hard and all this stuff and and with sort of this collaborative experience instead it's all about enfranchising the players uh and really i'm just here to like describe the world how, how do you as a gm uh, uh deal with in blades in the dark kind of the 
the weird disconnect between uh, the very narrative elements of the system uh, and gameplay with this kind of structured session that Blades in the Dark presents, you know, with the with the fact that there's like different phases in a session, you know, gathering intel into score, into payout, into downtime. So basically there's thresholds like you guys free play until I think you've 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 gotten enough information to decide how you're getting in. And that is usually not too long into into the gathering intel phase. Uh, This is not a system for planning. Uh, This is a system for reacting. So as you guys uh, sort of get enough information to find a weak point to get inside, I go, okay, and now we move into the score. Uh, It is a weird experience that I am getting used to. And it is something that I I'm hoping to get better at. Uh, unlike a lot of the series uh, that we do here on essential NPCs, uh, blades in the dark is something that I I've never run before. So we are watching me fail upwards uh, into success uh, right here on the podcast live. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I know that we play Shadowrun a lot kind of in our like casual off time, uh, which is all about the planning. So how is how is um, it felt for you as you basically do none of that? Yeah, that's that's it's definitely uh, a, a new type of way to play uh, as the player, you know, because in almost every other RPG, I, I've always, you know, made a point to kind of map out like a, a loose plan from beginning to end on how things are going to go. And in Blades in the Dark, you are specifically uh, supposed to jump right into the job after you plan step one, right? It's like step one. How do we get in? OK, cool. You're there now, <laughs> which is uh, both a little jar at first but also very cool because then you can make the plan as you're acting it out which is the whole point of that kind of like heist movie jumps right into the job while we're hearing the audio overlay of the criminals planning the job you know all right at this time you're gonna be here as we see them at that time being there doing that <laughs> thing um which is rich is super fun and uh, and like the more you play it the the easier it becomes to kind of get in that mentality and be like yeah of course we already planned for this let me just take a little stress on my character and jump back and say i did this mm-hmm. what one thing i think is uh really really interesting uh, about that is the engagement role you know you as the gm say all right cool this is the, you've gathered this much information you're punching this much above your weight let me roll some dice and depending on how those di- uh, how those dice land you are entering in either a controlled position a risky position or a desperate position which uh what does that actually mean uh mechanically uh when you when you're starting a job in one of those three positions so uh controlled is uh the best result you could hope for it's usually you uh have uh, gotten in and you are in the job, uh, you're at the point where you need to succeed in order to uh, complete it. Uh, so what would that look like in this particular job? You know, stealing the, uh, the, the body from the morgue and then taking it out somewhere to rip a soul out of it. You know. The standard typical job <laughs> in this setting. So uh, for a controlled position for this, you guys would have ended up having procured the body, leaving the morgue uh, because the 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 job is the soul, uh, not the body. Uh, so uh, controlled allows you to kind of succeed in that first step uh you skip right past it uh and it becomes part of the the flashback material that you can use with a standard or risky um kind of middle of the road you have gained entry and you are you know inside you have infiltrated the job has already begun uh and uh the the first uh, couple hurdles have already happened. So that's why uh, we had jumped past me talking my way through the guards. Like, uh, that makes sense. Uh, and then a risky position would have been just that kind of approaching this sort of secure facility and having to get in. And and that's all left to your discretion as a GM, exactly how you, you translate controlled risky or desperate like if it was if it was desperate would you as a gm maybe have taken that as an opportunity to brew up some extra opposition like maybe the best of the best spirit wardens are there uh checking in a body right before us and they start giving us like the third degree 
Yeah, actually, uh, desperate means that the consequences are graver and the opposition is harder. So everything is worse for the players in if the situation is desperate. And sometimes that means adding to the number of oppositions or the number of roles uh, that you have to succeed on. Um, or it could be when you fail, uh, you fail hard. Uh, so that is sort of the, the GM's job in Blades in the Dark is to dole out punishments for failure um, and also ratchet the opposition up or down depending on what kind of scenario the players have put themselves in. I I think Blades with practice becomes sort of second nature of like, as the GM gets more practice with throttling the difficulty and then also the players getting used to flash flashing back. Um, it's kind of that thing where as a GM, you kind of uh, you try to discourage flashbacks in other RPGs, whereas in Blades in the Dark, that's the whole name of the game. So it is a fun experience. And hopefully as we get more familiar with the system, it starts running a little bit more smoothly and we end up with a pretty entertaining uh, story for you guys. Well, we ended the last episode mid-score. Uh, we haven't even fully finished phase one, which is get the body. So I think without... Any further ado, we should go ahead and move on into Series 10, Episode 2, A Breath of Air. Enjoy! Hello, neighbor. I'm Brother Theodore. Growing up in Duskfall isn't easy for most, but I've been blessed to have a wonderful life in this nightmare city. Do you have a moment to talk about the Church of Many Tentacles? Our fantastic, legitimate religion has four easy-to-follow tenets that guide our path. We strive to be good neighbors, help the elderly, usher in the end times, and recycle. Using these goals as my compass, I was able to open my own cozy little tea shop in Six Towers. Radich's Tea and Tea Accessories is a great place for the community to find some respite from the endless darkness and daily horrors of the city. Our congregation has been meeting there while we make preparations for the church's most important ritual. After months of planning and gallons of tea, we were finally ready to summon Aralax, praise be their many tentacles, and let them recycle the world. Aralax arrived, bestowed their glorious destruction on the surrounding area, and then disappeared. Just like that. Most of our members were recycled. It was only through the grace of Aralax's many tentacles that I survived to continue our mission. I'll admit, I was very disappointed when we failed to usher in the end times, but it was a good first step. I'm rallying the surviving congregation, we're getting out of Duskfall, and we're figuring out our next steps. After all, starting over is just another term for recycling. Hi. They call me Brother Dub. They say one man's trash is another man's treasure. I'm fond of tinkering, and there's plenty of treasure to go around. It's amazing, some of the perfectly fine things people will throw out around Duskfall. It's ridiculous how offended they get when they find me in their dumpsters digging out their slightly damaged treasures. Even a broken thing can be remade, and that's what I specialize in. But it's gotten me into trouble. Sometimes I get so excited I forget to tell people I've improved their treasures, and they don't like that. But... That was all before I met Brother Theodore. You see, the Church of Many Tentacles admires my abilities to recycle what I find. It's one of their main pillars of their belief. And for the first time, I, I feel accepted. Now I have purpose, and I can finally make a difference with my talents. Recycling for the greater good. At first, I wasn't entirely sold on the end of the world part, but Brother Theodore kept telling me that the world is just a bigger treasure that needs recycling, and I specialize in recycling. My name is Brother Gawk, and I've never been the luckiest guy. The people at the orphanage used to say I got left on every doorstep in Six Towers. 
As a kid, I wound up in a gang of street urchins pilfering coins, secrets, and ghostly echoes for the reclusive vampire Lord Skurlock. But no one stays at Ragamuffin forever. <laughs> Eventually, I aged out of gutter sniping and had to go into the pickpocket business on my own. It turned out I had also aged out of not getting beaten half to death when I got caught. <laughs> Until I met Brother Theodore. I was red-handed, but he was just nice to me. He invited me to his shop, gave me some tea, and introduced me to the Church of Many Tentacles. When I was initiated as assistant ritualist, everything felt perfectly set up to give this horrible world the ending it deserved. So how did it all go so wrong? Brother Dirkman. Hi. Look, this won't take long, will it? Okay. I got involved with the church after I fell out with the Abyssal Legionnaires. You know, the hired guns they use on the Leviathan Hunters. They taught me to shoot, I guess. I don't know. The finer points, maybe. Seems to me it's a skill you're born with, but maybe that's just because I'm so fucking good. Whatever. So, yeah. I spent a lot of time beyond the lightning fence. A lot of time. Deathlands will fuck you up. They should have been consumed in the almighty maw of Aralax, you know, just like everything else. I am so pissed that ritual went wrong. <sighs> oh, this, oh, this is Admiral Quibbles. She was Vice Admiral until just this morning. She's worked so hard, she's earned it. She has, she has. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know pigeons don't have military ranks that we know of. Anyway, yeah, uh, before that, I was just a powder boy, and before that, I was a chimney sweep. Just a bunch of dingy, tiny, sooty places. So yeah, you know, that's why I'm so goddamn cheery all the time. We done? We're done. Well, hello. My name is Morgan. Or Sister Morgan, if you want to be proper. If you've ever found yourself in one of the many underground poker halls in Duskfall, you might just recognize me. I have an easy face to remember, after all, seeing as my Tykerosi heritage has left me with this beautiful ash-gray skin and striking red eyes. Now I've always had a bit of the gift of gab, a way of convincing others to do and think what I want them to. But even I have to admit, I am burdened with a short temper. A byproduct of growing up among street thugs and gang enforcers, I'm afraid. When I was running with the Bravos, if someone crossed me or my crew, I'd be the first in line to snap them in two. But once I joined the Church of Many Tentacles, I've made a point to follow its tenets in an effort to be a little more neighborly and avoid such unpleasantness when I can. The church has given me the one thing I never could find with the Bravos. A family that actually gives a damn about each other. So, if keeping a cool head and giving folk the benefit of the doubt is what it takes to be a part of this family, well that don't seem half bad. Still, every once in a while someone needs to be put in their place and, well, Sometimes I just can't help myself. Previously on Blades in the Dark, our team, the Church of Many Tentacles, attempted to bring about the end times and somehow failed. Uh, it seems that the five remaining members of the cult and potentially a sixth uh, are the only ones to get out alive. In failing, they have put a large and inevitable target on their uh, crew's back. Uh, so they are attempting to collect all of the items they'll need to complete an arcane ritual to lead them out safely into the Deathlands. Uh, having deciphered the first necessary ingredient, they are uh, attempting... Uh, to score a fresh ghost just torn from its body. Uh, and so they have acquired the body with said soul inside of it and now need to transport it somewhere safe and either very loud or very quiet. Uh, they have yet to decide which. And that's where we'll pick up. You guys are in... 
Coleridge, which is a highly industrialized area. It's got the ironworks and lots of rail uh, trains and then also um, defunct railways and and abandoned train cars uh, from the elevated uh, train tracks around here that are used mostly to transport um, iron and uh, coal to and from the plants and the mines. Uh, it's pretty loud around here. Um, it's also sort of a working person's area with many, um, houses sort of stacked on top of each other, uh, and, uh, in general sort of like gloomy, dusky, and dusty, uh, as you go. Um, uh, the life expectancy in Coleridge is a little bit shorter than the other sort of middle class class areas uh, because of the the high parts per million of, of coal dust in the air. We've got Morgan and Gawk and brother Theodore uh, in the sort of waiting room slash grieving room of one of the Spirit Warden's satellite morgues uh, with a body that they've selected of someone's grandma and are attempting to uh, covertly abscond with it, having decided that this ghost is fresh and pure. Well, as I have soothed the family, I think it's time for us to make an escape before they try to ask any more questions. So I think with a with just the slightest of glances towards Brother Theodore, uh, I will begin moving this body out out of the building. Hopefully, we have some sort of transport uh, situated outside. Uh, can I have paid off a gondolier? Yeah, absolutely. That's easy enough to do. So uh, just uh, spend one coin, and that these gondoliers will take you where you'd like to go. Perhaps Sister Morgan has uh, loaned me a coin for our uh, escape gondola for this purpose. Yeah, so as we're as we're getting the getting everything set and we're trying to figure out uh, transport, there's the map there with all the different canals, and I'm like, I mean, I suppose we could we could try and steal a, a carriage, but that would bring a little too much heat. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know if like, a, a carriage is also the uh, the most effective getaway. Also, um, I don't know. I I would say we could steal a gondola, but the gondoliers are are pretty attentive on uh, who is on their waterways. Maybe we can just pay one of them off. I turn to Dirkman, I go, oh, well, okay, you can cover that cost, can't you, Brother Dirkman? I absolutely cannot, actually, because I uh, I have no worldly possessions currently, although I am going to work on getting those back probably at this point. How strange and fortuitous that I, in fact, have some coin here, and I'll go uh, uh, to the cabinet where my my stash is at the moment, and I'll, uh, I'll pop open my briefcase full of four coin and uh, be like... And grab a coin's worth of of uh, currency and bring it over to Brother Dirkman and be like, "Now, do you need my help securing the gondolier, or can you handle this yourself?" I can take care of getting the gondolier," he says as he takes the bag of coin. And for the record, I didn't say it wouldn't be useful later. I'm just saying it might have fucked up an entire ritual. You know, that is the basis of our whole religion. Just throwing that out there. Yet again, I see. And I go back to my notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Dirkman will go find a gondolier to pay off. Which you did. And now the gondolier is uh, waiting with bated breath, I guess. It's hard to tell. There's a lot of scars on her face from uh, who knows what kind of scraps the gondoliers get into, really. Um, but uh, she is waiting there for you. She's a tall, muscular woman with broad shoulders, and her, her dark hair is uh, in a plait down the, her back. She is waiting. She has told you she would wait until the, the lunch whistle, and then she would take the first fare no matter who it was. Um, as they're uh, exiting, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll flag them down and get their attention. I think they know which, which canal to head to, but I'm making our, pr- our presence known. First, I spot your uh, your pet pigeon uh, flying along, and I follow its flight towards you. And uh, I turn the cart that way and begin rolling there. And I mistakenly look over at Brother Gawk again, wearing his uh, his spirit mask, and uh, shudder a little bit and go. Uh, so, what is it they were saying about this spirit possibly being feral? Uh, 
I don't know, whatever it was, I didn't notice it when I first took a look, but, you know, maybe I missed something? Well, let's hope you didn't. I don't want to have to go back in there. And uh, uh, I'll meet up with Dirkman and we'll wait for Brother Theodore to make a casual exit out of the moor. Best case scenario, there's two spirits in this body. I will, having heard the potentiality for uh, the spirit not being exactly what we need, make my way over to this grieving family and I will comfort them and, you know, try and make them feel a little bit better and assure them that she's in a better place and try and keep them from going straight to Bellwether Crematorium and finding out their grandmother isn't there and then making a big old stink about the spirit wardens who said they were taking her there and just generally try and gather a little bit of information and slow them down. Uh, okay, go ahead and uh, Theodore and roll um, consort and let's see what happens. I will go ahead and take two stress to push myself on this. Well, if you add all the dice together, it's six, <laughs> um, but it is a two. You you talk with the family for a while and, and at first they feel comforted um, and then they start asking you questions like, oh, who are you here for? And uh, when did you bring someone in? And uh, in a temporary moment of, of sort of grief, you can't decide on which of your recently deaded friends um, you were going to say you were here for and, and instead are sort of left in an awkward. I'm here for my brat, Francis DeFilla. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what? You are you are here for someone, right? Of course. I have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> and like you, you like walk outside. Um, and so your failure is going to uh, tick two ticks on the evidence clock. Uh, and I will make my way over to the gondola as we agreed. The gondolier gives you sort of a, an arched eyebrow as, uh, as you bring a, a dead body to, to put in her gondola. Hang on. I think the cart collapses. Uh, I, I have no idea. Where is it? Uh, uh, There's is like it a this? latch. I can't find it. I don't know. Dub, Dub said there was a, a latch that would collapse the cart. <laughs> I eventually find it after a little bit of a farce, and then Theodore rejoins. <laughs> uh, I we we put the uh, the body on the gondolier, and I think we head towards whatever uh, situation Brother Dubs has set up for us for this uh, for this loud ritual we have to perform. So there's a empty, not very well traveled alley outside one of the foundries in the city lots of pounding lots of smashing lots of machinery going it be a perfect place to mask the sounds of the ritual and uh anyone that would be around here is in the foundry so we won't need to worry about any unwanted spectators great so you guys are in the gondola um gawk you still have your spirit mask on sure do okay um so would you mind rolling uh, survey for me. My mind is in the ghost field right now. Uh, I have a five. So you're looking at the world through the ghost field, and of course it's filled with terrors and horrors of everyday, uh, sort of like ectoplasmic ghosties uh, and things like that. Nothing material or anything like that, uh, but you do notice sort of like a swirling coalescence of 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 ghosties um or or like potential ghosties there's some there's some elevated ectoplasmic levels kind of hovering over wherever the gondola is going like well up in the sky uh and i am uh and and you think maybe something is attracting this ectoplasmic entity or entities uh to the gondola uh hey folks uh i don't mean to be a bother or anything but it it kind of looks like we've got a tail in the ghost field i will um pull my arcane implements out of my pack this was obviously something we considered that could be a possibility i'm sure spirit traffickers deal with it all the time i will pull out uh 
It's uh, four sort of pythons with a translucent shimmery net between them that spreads over a small area that Dub uh, helped me fashion a while back. Uh, and it keeps ghosts away. Uh, and that will uh, be one of my three load. Great. Yeah, that's a perfect use of arcane implements. Um, you can either roll a tune to turn it on or uh, tinker uh, because it is, in fact, a machine. Uh, I will go ahead and roll a tune uh, and then I will flash back to Dub showing me the ropes on how this thing works. Yeah, that absolutely works. You can do that in a flashback. Uh, I will need you to take one stress uh, because there hasn't been a lot of time um, to create these this new net. Uh, so you'll need uh, you'll you'll be pushed for a little bit of time, but Dub can certainly help you. Great. Okay, Dub, run me through it again. How do I turn this thing on? All right. So you see these buttons here. Mm-hmm. Press this one and this one, or don't press that one until you hit this one. Um, which is it? Right here. You're looking right at it. Hold on. No, you gave two options for the order in which to press them, Dub. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's because I designed my things to be very versatile. <laughs> but what is... So that you can get it right under stress. Does it do different things? Probably. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Just a question this spreads over a pretty decent area why are the activation buttons on the corners across <laughs> from each other oh that's because uh hmm maybe i should redesign this <laughs> uh and so a short time later he comes back okay i've simplified the process place the stakes then activate the buttons in any order no <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, after a, a lot of back and forth with Dub um, over over a, a little while, uh, you were able to learn how to turn this thing on. I'll take a stress to assist him. Uh, great. So you can now uh, roll a, a tune to a standard effect um, with assistance. Uh, that is a five. It's working. But only partially. So occasionally it's sort of like the net will diminish from the like four stakes it is to three stakes. And then there will be like a partially uncovered spot. It probably won't come up, but it might. I can't help but feel this is because of the order I pressed the buttons in. <laughs> because it's a partial, it seems like it would protect in a closer area. Uh, but because the ghosties are now just deprived of whatever was attracting them earlier, uh, are now hungrier. Uh, and so we'll tick one, one TikTok on the hungry ghosties. Um, so now that is at two of four. And we'll see what happens next. The gondolier up until this point um, has been rather cool. Um, but as you... Uh, pull under a bridge goes ah nah and uh and like steps like hands the pole to you Dirkman uh and goes this is more than I signed on for uh and like casually steps onto the bank and walks away uh you guys are coming up uh under a bridge and uh on top of the bridge uh there's a a, a mean trio of, of people who are uh, looking as if they might attempt to jump down onto your gondola, perhaps to steal this body. What do you guys do? I really should have been keeping an eye out for this. This is my ball dropped. I'm sorry about this. Uh, and Dirkman's going to get out his two very fine pistols with their electroplasmic ammunition. Uh, and I think he's going to have to take a couple shots. Flashback? Uh, what, what are you doing in a flashback? So mechanically, I'd like to assist by uh, assisting, but uh, he pulls out his pistols and notice there are some very special optics on attached to the top that make them easier to aim that he didn't put there. God damn it, brother Dub, why do you keep fucking with my guns? I like them the way they are. But thank you. This is going to make it really helpful. Cool. Perfect. Did you do this um, modification before or after the uh, explosion? Before I okay. was, I was killing some time, and I figured he's not going to use them anyway. Uh, yeah. So you wanted to see if you could do it. You did it. 
Uh, you'll pay zero stress for the flashback, but you will pay a stress to assist. Okay. Um, and this will be um, hunt for you, Dirkman, to great effect. Uh, that's a four. So you you pull out both your guns almost without thinking. Uh, they're they're heavy, um, and you uh, with your main hand you absolutely take out one of the trio, uh, and you wing the other with your off hand. But having not really thought about the gondolier's pole that you were holding, uh, it slips into the water, and now you have a. Uh, Limited to no control over the gondola as you are heading under this bridge, um, and uh, and you guys are now in a desperate position. Oh, eel shit! Uh, good golly, Turkman! You shot him without even talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured, brother, brother Theodore is going to be really upset with me if I shoot them with real bullets. So I should just shock him, and maybe he'll get off my back about it. I guess not, though. I guess I was wrong. This bridge—how high up is it? High enough for me to to vault my way up? You could certainly jump up. You're you're pretty tall, so you could certainly uh, jump up and and grab the the railing on this bridge without too much trouble. Uh, it will speed the boat forward uh, as you sort of like use uh, the momentum to to kick off uh, to to get up on top of the bridge. Depending on how your finesse roll goes. Um, We'll see what happens. Okay, I will push myself here. As as Dirkman pulls out his guns and takes a shot, I see the electro bullet uh, stun and take out one person, and I immediately go running up to the front of the gondolier and leap up. My intention is to try and close in on these people and see if I can scare them off now that one of them shot down. Uh, I got a five. So uh, you are able to... Uh Jump up, grab the railing, and pull yourself up on this bridge. Um, the the boat is uh, sent, rather than forward under the bridge, uh, backwards a little bit, starting to head slowly, drift slowly in the incorrect direction. Uh, but you are up there. So I, I jump off, and I realize I sent them careening off, and now I'm kind of stranded myself. That's not great. Um, but I'll, without breaking stride, try to grab the arms of... of the tougher looking of the remaining two uh, to twist the arm behind uh, behind and kind of incapacitate him while I speak to the other one. Yeah, go ahead and roll skirmish. Uh, this definitely feels like pushing myself, so I'll go ahead and take an additional two stress again as I uh, fire in my eyes, rush forward at the stronger looking of the two, start exchanging blows and try to get him in an arm lock and, and shove him against the uh, the side of the bridge here. And that's a six. Great. Without almost any resistance at all, you kind of like parkour your way up there. The gondola starts drifting backwards like poleless with Dirkman kind of gunslinging from the back. Uh, and you they're so surprised that you made that jump so quickly uh, that by the time that they're reacting, you've already got the larger, more fiercer gentleman's um, arm twisted behind his back in like an arm bar. Uh, and and I'm, you are certainly hurting him. I shove his head into the into the stone, maybe a little harder than I need to, Ugh. making it a little bloody. As I turn to the other one, and I say, "This ain't your score." Roll command. Uh, because I have the savage talent, uh, that does give me another die for command. Uh, I will use my foresight ability, and before we we left uh, the evening before for the score. Me and Morgan went over um, the information I had from Salia on the surrounding area and the various spirit traffickers we might ran, run into and just talked through possible scenarios in which we could deter them from jumping us, ambushing us, or how we might politely ask them to leave if necessary. <laughs> Take an extra die. So, uh, yeah, I mingle my this ain't your score along with uh, with some kind of uh, with some kind of industry lingo to indicate that uh, we ain't amateurs and they're barking up the wrong tree. And I got a six. Great. Uh, perfect. So uh, you have thoroughly gained control of this situation uh, and they are more than willing to uh, take 
their friend and go. Um, all right, all right. We were just, you know, you looked like easy prey. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Guess again, I say kind of uh, twisting the guy's arm and shoving him to the oh, ground. Oh, it's our mistake. It's our mistake. Please, please. And you throw them away and they kind of like scramble back, grab their friend and uh, and run away. And then I, I, I look down at the gondola very far away from me going in the wrong direction. I don't know. Maybe uh, I can use Dub's, uh, Dub's, the force of Dub's cart uncollapsing maybe to push us in the right direction. Oh, you, you think it's just a push cart. <laughs> Currently, am I wrong? <laughs> yes. Are you flashing back to add a, a component to this uh, to this cart? Yes. Okay. You, <laughs> you 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 are going to have to take a, a a stress for that. I've created a steam powered alternate propulsion system uh, using Sparkcraft, creating steam that shoots jets, propelling the cart, <laughs> as well as a buoyancy system in case we get into trouble and hit water. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Uh, Brother Dub has, in fact, thought of almost everything uh, with this otherwise very simple mortuary cart. Um, <laughs> so so uh, you hold on tight, uh, you know, like lock your like wrap your legs around the thing uh, to keep it on the boat and pull the little like push the little button and the spark craft lights up and um you are propelled forward. So I'm now I'm now steering this gondola by dipping a mortuary cart into the water <laughs> beside us and like and and tilting it one way and the other to to kind of guide the boat. Uh, okay, so you guys uh, travel forward. I assume that you slow down just enough to let Sister Morgan hop back on. Yeah, I'll jump down off the bridge. Great, and uh, without other incident, other than. The persistent, swirly, ectoplasmic activity high up in the sky, right over wherever you guys are. Uh, you get there, you get to the site without incident. You picked this spot uh, specifically because of its um, proximity to uh, the the ironworks uh, runoff, kind of a stinky, smelly alleyway uh, that really just no one often goes down there is not necessarily a busy street but um uh there is a pathway to and from the uh the back part of the ironworks that's not infrequently traveled that this alley comes from otherwise it goes basically from the uh from the canals and the runoff uh to this sort of back way into the ironworks and uh you guys Dock the gondola, I assume, and uh, set up, begin setting up the ritual. It's a little bit of a rough landing coming in with a steam jet, but we managed to get <laughs> poor grandma onto land and start <laughs> setting up the ritual. <laughs> and and we we spread the uh, ghost umbrella over us like a canopy. And I'm like, hang on, I need to take a closer look at at the spirits inside this body. If what that family said was true, that's bad news for us. Uh, sure. So go ahead and roll a tune. It's a three. So, Brother Gawk, you uh, turn your attention to uh, the body of this woman, this grandmother, who uh, as of yet rename, uh, remains nameless. And you focus in on... Her, you feel pretty safe from whatever is happening above this ghost anti ghost canopy thing. Um, and at first, all you see is that there is a spirit, um, inside, uh, and then you realize it is actively being, um, sort of like attacked by uh, a second angry some might say feral uh, spirit as well. Um, and, and so whatever grandma did, you think she used herself as sort of a spirit, a spirit bottle, uh, whatever arcane thing she did to save her family. Uh, she, she uh, passed away uh, by, by actively 
dying with the spirit inside of her. So the mystery eludes you, but uh, but it, you note it for later. That's kind of cool. And uh, then uh, this sort of swirling anti-energy has been sort of like chipping away at grandma's sort of like resolve, grandma's spirit's resolve because she is super dead. <laughs> and uh, And those chips have left a trail that uh, now you realize that w- that's what was drawing the ectoplasmic activity to uh, you guys is that you you were leaving little tasty bits uh, along the way. And, uh, and this is all happening. And then kind of, it doesn't have eyes or even really a face, but suddenly you know that you are staring into the essence of a feral spirit. Oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> and uh, it like latches on to the connection uh, that you have made with this uh, body and uh, starts pulling itself on like an invisible thread, like hand over hand, as if it was like a, a mountain climber climbing up a, a long tether uh, toward you. And uh, unless you stop it, it will try and uh, possess you. Yes, I'm going to try to resist that. <laughs> okay, uh, so you can go ahead and roll resolve. I'll roll with an extra die thanks to our anointed ability. Uh, so I take one stress. Uh, so uh, you're able to turn away and sever the connection just as like you can almost feel it like touching your proverbial like essence. Uh, it sort of like it gets sucked right back in to, to Granny. All right, folks, it looks like we've got two ghosts in one body situation. Um, that means uh, we're going to have two things to deal with when we do this ritual. Can we draw them out separately or are they both coming out at the same time? Because if they come out at the same time, I can just shoot the bad one, right? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, I've I've only got that I know of one shot on this ritual, so I feel like I gotta pull both of them out at once. Cool. Uh, and uh, Darkman will <laughs> cock both his ectoplasmic guns and train them on the the spooky granny. <laughs> and I'll say, let's make this happen, then Gawk, you and me, buddy. Dub, you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. Now I know the situation got a little bit more complicated than we expected. But I don't think it's anything that the five of us working together can't handle. As Theodore says that, I'm going to check off another part of my load. I'm not sure whether this would be arcane implements or an unusual weapon, but I'd like to don uh, some kind of, they look like welding gloves, but they've been uh, uh, augmented to have like a current put through them. So they're kind of like ghost grappling gloves. Uh, I think that counts as an unusual weapon. All right, that is uh the second of my three load. As I as I put them on and and uh uh as the hands are kind of nearby each other, there's some sparks between the fingertips. I'm like, all right, they're working. And as I I'll take the second of my five load and I will telescope out my fine lightning hook, which I have uh at my belt, which snaps out telescopes out to like a long pole with uh, basically a, a ring at the end. Uh, and when I flick it on, um, it gets uh, the effect in that ring. It looks like a cross between a dream catcher and one of those orbs with the lightning in it, where you like touch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, get ready for the old screaming last breath. <laughs> Just let us know which one is the bad one. I'll give you a clear shot, Dirkman. And... Um, I will pronounce the ritual whenever you're ready, head ritualist. (laughs) (laughs) Again, bright red, but good thing I'm wearing my spirit mask. You can roll a study or a tune, uh, both to standard effect. I will roll a tune. I've seen Sister Daphne do this a ton of times. Uh, How hard could it be? I will pay a stress to assist on that. Gawk, whatever you need, just tell me what to do. Uh, I have three fives and a four, so <laughs> it is clear what the universe wants from me. <laughs> so you 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 do the ritual. It's 
kind of amazing to lead your own ritual. And, and it's like, there's a little bit of ecstasy beneath that all encompassing fear. And, um, as you do, you like get a little bit punchy with just like the last word. You're so excited that it's working. And grandma makes just like the worst sound you've ever heard amplified. It's it's like the whistle uh, that comes from the ironworks at, at like a shift change, uh, but loud and terrible and gut-wrenching. And everybody is uh, a little bit shaken from that. Uh, and you are all now back in a desperate position. As two ghosts, bloop, bloop, come out. Which one's the bad one? <laughs> the one that doesn't have a face. <laughs> I'm going to, can I attune to uh, to figure out which one that is and shoot it? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push myself on this, I think. You squint real hard. <laughs> real hard. <laughs> it's a six. I did it. Uh, so yes, you uh, see, you can tell the one that has a face versus the one that does not have a face. Yeah, I um, shoot the one that doesn't have a face. Okay, go go ahead and roll hunt. Watching Dirkman's eyes lock in on one as he raises his guns, uh, I'll uh, follow his lead, and I'm going to spend a stress to assist as I kind of uh, try to use these these gloves to kind of grapple this ghost and pull it away from the other one to give Dirkman a cleaner shot. Hold it still, Sister Morgan. Uh, That's another six. Great. You you shoot it, and uh, a big old hole forms like where you shot it, and like basically right in the heart. If it had a heart, but it's a ghost, so it doesn't. Um, And then it sort of like coalesces back, uh, and it sort of like snarls at you, and then turns to Sister Morgan, and is like, (laughs) and uh, I'm going to. Start a clock uh, that's goodbye ghost. And that is a four clock with one tick. Thing snarls at us and I say, well, Icker bless you, you little asshole. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, there's another just floating, beautiful, golden grandma spirit face just like floating there. Um, uh, while the other one is like wrestling with Sister Morgan and uh, being shot at and making a scene and and um, the ghost like ectoplasmic activity is like coming down towards the net uh, and there's kind of a lot of things happening all at once. What is everyone else doing? Uh, so I pull out my ghost grapple gun, which is it looks like a Kalk gun, but it has a ghost bottle. And it shoots out a grappling hook out of the bottle, which has an opening lid, attaches to the spirit, reels it in, and closes the bottle. And I approach Grandma Ghost, and I greet her, give her a wave, and uh, I attempt to reel her into the bottle. (laughs) You line up the shot with your ghost grapple gun, uh, and you think, come on, Triple G, do this for me. And... uh, and uh, then you look at that sweet, ghosty grandma face, and you're like, is this really helping the elderly? Uh, and I need you to roll uh, Resolve Resist. Five. Uh, so you take one stress as you look into that sweet granny face and pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> I really do feel bad about this, but uh, we got to recycle the whole world. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, and um, you're up so close that uh, I don't need you to roll uh, a shoot or a tinker. Uh, You just you just do it. And uh, yeah, now you have your your breath of air in, in a bottle. Meanwhile. There's a big growly ghosty, uh, and uh, and the uh, the ghost net above is being pelted by this like ectoplasmic force. All right, so I'm gonna um, dial my lightning hook up to full power, and uh, Morgan and Dirkman have it distracted. I can take I can kind of take my time to just like get behind it very slowly, and then um, just kind of one two uh, put my put my capacitor lightning hook over its nebulous face. 
Uh, go ahead and roll finesse. I am going to push the heck out of myself right now. Uh, I will pay a stress to assist, and I will pull out my spirit bane charm and just sort of use it to herd the feral ghost into position as it tries to wriggle away from Morgan. <laughs> and I'll attempt to spot cremate it with a five. Great. So you'll take a... Uh... One old ticky tock on the on the goodbye ghost clock. Uh, so yeah, you you kind of um, stab into it with your with your lightning hook, and and it's now kind of stuck between you and Sister Morgan as it sort of wrestles uh, away, or not away, but it wrestles to get away. But it is it is hooked and cornered in this sort of like ghost grapple. Uh, but it is uh, becoming more violent and and like making like horrific sounds and vibrations and it it feel it's like it like it's like chilling to see that a feral ghost it's not often that it happens um and so the fact that this one is here is like not comfortable um everyone who's watching this happen which i think is everybody but potentially dub i'm too busy surprised that my, my thing worked so we'll uh have to accept or um, try to resist uh, this um, shaken uh, level one harm. Uh, I will roll to resist this. Is it a resolve resist? Uh, it is. I'm a scared. I rolled three sixes. Wow. You have never <laughs> been scared of a ghost in your life, I guess. Yahtzee. <laughs> I rolled five sixes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and Brother Dirkman, did you uh, choose to take the, the harm or are you resisting? Uh, I am resisting it. And I am resisting it. I rolled a six. This ghost is not scary. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it's very scary. <laughs> um, well, this sure uh, is a rambunctious ghost, isn't it, Sister Morgan? <laughs> can't quite get a hold of it, Brother Theodore. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> Look, if you can't get it, I'll just shoot it again. What's happening here? No, put it, the bottle, the bottle! Uh, and I will, I will also, as part of my load, I'll have uh, spirit bottles. I, I know feral ghosts are rare and possibly valuable, if we can get it in the bottle, we can sell it. Uh, in that case, I suppose I will try and slam dunk it into a bottle. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and try to slam dunk. You may uh, finesse if you think you have those uh, Jackie Chan skills or skirmish if you're more of a, a boxer brawler rock kind of dude. Uh, I'm, I'm decent at both, but in this particular instance with us, uh, with... Gawk on one end and me just kind of grabbing the other end. I think it's it's more probably more of a skirmish as I just kind of try to strong arm this spirit into this bottle Gawk is holding out with his free arm. Oh, it's so close to me. <laughs> well, quit running away and we'll get it in the bottle. <laughs> I'll take a stretch and I, I, gosh, I guess I'll assist you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as you stop backing up. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and I rolled a four. So you, you are able to cram this feral spirit into this spirit bottle, undoubtedly. But would you prefer reduced effect, which means it's basically a poor feral spirit in a spirit bottle, which means if you ever tried to sell it, it's sort of like a broken feral spirit and isn't worth as much, or uh, suffer a severe harm of a ghost bit? Given the option between making a profit or being hurt, I will be hurt. <laughs> uh, but I will attempt to resist uh, my ghost bit severe harm. Okay. Uh, so I, I only rolled a four. So because you guys are in a desperate situation, I don't think that uh, you are able to completely avoid the harm. However, I think you can reduce it uh the ghost reaches out as it's kind of going into the bottle and kind of like drags its essence along your like arm as it's being kind of sucked in um and uh you you're uh you're gonna suffer the 
lesser harm numbed forearm. Uh, yeah, I'll let out a shout as I'm shoving this thing in. I think I'm good, and then it just rakes its spectral claws on my arm. I'll let out a shout, pull back. Uh, so you've got two spirits and two bottles. Um, let's hope that you label them right. And uh, think that other than a smooth extraction out of here, you still have your gondola and your weird motor. You are able to get away with a little... Uh, consequence as soon as both of the spirits are captured the sort of um astral ectoplasmic entities that were kind of swirling just above your your uh ghost bane net um dissipate and uh you are relatively free to make your way out of Coleridge. Yeah, I mean I'll I'll step back. I was I was a little more cavalier about that ghost than I might might have should have been. And uh, I kind of flex my hand to make sure I still have motion there, and it, it hurts a bit. I go, ah, I'll be all right. I finally take my spirit mask off and just start blinking and weeping. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'll i start getting the the net gathered up, and I start placing the stuff on the cart. That was great work, everyone. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brother Theodore. Thank, thank you, Brother Theodore. <laughs> thank you, Brother Theodore. <laughs> oh, thank you, Brother Theodore. <laughs> Brother Dirkman, did you like the modifications I made on your on your pistols? Brother Dub, I don't know how many more times I'm going to have to tell you this. I know that I leave my guns in the tea shop. I get it. It's a safety thing, though, okay? I don't want them to be fiddled with, messed with, modified, improved, whatever. I like them the way they are. Okay, now that you added that language, I suppose I can... Because you didn't say fiddled with last time. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I have clarified that. Yes, no fiddling, no tinkering, no messing about. Any other verb forms that maybe you can think of, don't do that to my guns. That being said... They did help me shoot a guy, and that was very helpful, but that was just, that was this one time. So do me a favor. I'm going to turn these over to you. If you can remove the modifications, I would really appreciate that. Okay, Slick? No, I'm I'm Brother Dub. All right. Thanks, Dub. Yeah, I appreciate it. Ugh, this guy, he says as he shakes his head and turns away. Uh, brother, brother Dub looks really sad, and he places the pistols on the cart point at the cart and be like, I am surprised by how many doohickeys you managed to attach to that thing. It turned out real helpful. Thank you, Dub. Uh, I'm glad you appreciate that uh, I was not able to put the wings or propellers on, <laughs> unfortunately. I just kind of mouth in like a half smile, half agape type expression, just kind of, uh-huh, and nod at him and then get on the gondola. Uh, Okay. Uh, so you guys earn five rep. So uh, are you selling that feral spirit? I assumed yes. So so you'll get six coin uh, for this loot. So that's the payoff. Uh, let's find out your heat. I think we'll go with four heat. Uh, you guys were pretty contained, but it is a high profile target. And uh, the situation happened on hostile turf. Uh, so we started at two and then went to four. As for your entanglements, let's see. Cool. Uh, so uh, you you guys um, managed uh, to, to get out of this job without really pissing anybody off or so you thought. But stealing a gondola is no joking matter. And um, the gondoliers appear in the tea shop asking for repayment, uh, which they ask for three rep and three coin. So the gondolier woman whose gondola uh, you temporarily borrowed and have yet to have returned uh, shows up to this tea shop shooing everyone out with her presence. It's not often that gondoliers make their way to the landlocked six towers, but when they do, people avoid them. And you're not sure if she's smiling or grimacing or frowning because of all the scars on her face, uh, but she she walks up and she says, I believe we have a settlement to reach. You owe us an apology. Oh my goodness. We forgot to return your gondola. I am... <laughs> 
so sorry. And? It's in the back if you'd like to take it. I think reparations are in order, don't you? Uh, that's how I make my livelihood. That is a good point. We we did lose the poll. You <laughs> lost my poll? I, I, I come over at this point and I go, oh, hello. Um, I'm sorry. Are you asking for more payment? I seem to recall we paid you for the services. Now, I mean, the apology, all's fair, right? We We should have returned what we rented from you for the coin that we gave you. Um, and I suppose maybe uh, we should pay for the replacement of the ore we lost. However, uh, I don't see what the problem is here. We came to an agreement. You gave you gave us service. We appreciate it. Coin's already been passed hands. It was your call to walk away from the boat and leave it in our capable hands. So we took that as as per our previous arrangement, as your will that we continue on the boat without you. You're going to give me my boat back. You're going to pay for a new oar, and you're going to pay for my lost wages. Or you'll never ride on another gondola again. The way I see it, uh, you got the you got the oar and some of the wages there, and then you got uh, maybe a little bit more wages. So how about we just call it two coin and a heartfelt apology from the proprietor of Rad- Radich's Tea and Tea Accessories. You can go ahead and roll Sway. I got a six. Yes, she takes your two coin and her boat, and she uh, pulls out a collapsible 10-foot pole out of her pocket and, uh, and gondolas away, but not before accidentally smashing a back window. Uh, functionally, you have lost... Uh, two coin plus the additional coin that you spent already and uh, no rep and you're going to have to replace a window eventually. Well, that, I don't think that was an accident, Brother Theodore. I think that was intentional. You know, I think you might be right, Sister Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And with that, we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This series of the Essential NPCs podcast is based on Blades in the Dark, a product of 1-7 Design, developed and authored by John Harper, and licensed for use by EMPC Productions under Creative Commons Attribution. For more information, go to www.bladesinthedark.com.